Hey guys, welcome to a very, very special edition of the Tempest 2 podcast, uh, where we were lucky enough ahead of our big climb on Monday to meet and chat with, for a good hour, uh, the absolute legend, Alex Honold. Yeah, we chat through things like the environment, the Honold Foundation, was he ever as scared as we are when we climb, and how does he deal with fear when dangling from a 3,000 foot rock face with no rope? Hope you enjoy the episode, guys, and uh, we'll be back to regular programming from next week. Kind of looked at me, and they said the answer was was alcohol. So, ladies and gentlemen, the Tempest Two. Tom Caulfield, James Whistle, the Tempest Two. This is the story of the Tempest Two. So welcome again to our podcast. We're in the van currently with uh, our first ever guest on the pod. Oh, wow. First ever <laughs> so, guest. I'm so honoured. Yeah. <laughs> Someone who we've been mentoring for the past few weeks in the valley. <laughs> it's great to get them on, give them a, uh, a dip of the limelight. Um, so would you like to introduce yourself? Uh, sure. I'm, I'm Alex Honnold, um, professional climber. Alex Honnold, professional climber, Yosemite legend. We're on our way to getting that status, but we're not there yet. <laughs> oh, you're, you're pretty close. Yeah. <laughs> we're getting there. <laughs> is it, is it, are there kind of like whispers around the valley yeah, of the, exactly. the two weird English guys yeah, who just sit in Starbucks every breaks. morning? Yeah. Yeah. You've seen those guys in that bear van? <laughs> With all the brand new gear who don't know how to climb. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, so we're sat in the back of our escape camper. Obviously, you are a pioneer in van life. How does our mm. van kind of... Stack up. up. Your your van is a nice van for a rental, and it seems very adequate for a trip like this. What are we but, doing uh, wrong? You're looking around the well, place. Well, you just wouldn't want to live in this full time. You know, I mean, there are a lot of things like all the windows. I'm not into windows. Not into more privacy. True. It's like nice to have a higher roof so you can stand. Though I lived in a van smaller than this for nine years, so you know, obviously you can make do with whatever you have. I think high roof is key. We've been getting van envy of the sprinters. Yeah, being and able the, to stand. Yeah, and then really. there's like storage levels higher up and you yeah. can almost stand in this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Actually, you have enough storage in here if it was, uh, if the space was laid out well. And if we didn't have um, 400 bins. packs of freeze-dried food as well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> How are they? Exactly. I haven't tried one yet. Oh, nice. They're, okay. uh, they're in the van. Sick. I had uh, just my normal noodles on top last night. Nice. What are you going with? Yeah, what's your go-to kind of wall food? Uh, it depends, but freeze dries are like an easy dinner, and then just tons of snacks and stuff, like peanut butter filled pretzels and nuts, and and then, you know, lots Speaking of bars nuts, and random things. Help yourself. Oh, yeah, yeah, cool. Nice. <laughs> we owe you a few pistachios. Oh, yeah, a no pack worries. of almonds. <laughs> so what, what absolute hosts. <laughs> so we obviously... <clears throat> Everyone who's listened to this has probably seen Free Solo, heard about Free Solo. We don't really want to talk too much about that because the last year of your life has pretty much been talking about that one climb, um, which obviously the the enormity of it kind of deserves that attention. But I think the reason we kind of met up was obviously James and I are taking on the nose on Monday. Uh, so exciting. <laughs> rice smile. <laughs> no, it's, yeah, it's exciting. It's, it begins. And I think when we watched the film, 
Uh, we obviously saw the work you're doing with the Honor Foundation. Uh, and obviously, we're being supported very kindly by the guys at BD, who you're also an athlete for, mm. also an athlete for. We're not athletes yeah. at BD. <laughs> we don't fit into that bracket <laughs> at all. They were kind enough to give us some gear. Um, but I think like when we saw the film, every challenge we take on, we try and kind of raise awareness and money for a certain cause. And it just linked perfectly with kind of what you're doing with the Honor Foundation. So it'd be amazing to get kind of a snapshot overview of what the foundation is, what it does, and kind of why you've gone into kind of solar above maybe uh, other things. Yeah, okay. So, I mean, in, in a nutshell, the Honor Foundation supports solar for a more equitable world. That's the, the mission statement. But the, the backstory was more just that... Uh, at a certain point, you know, I was living in my van. I started making a little more money and felt like I should start donating to, to things that I cared about. And so, uh, you know, basically I cared about environmental issues. Uh, but through various climate expeditions I've been on and through travels around the world, I sort of realized that there's no real point in supporting environmental projects that don't also improve standard of living, that don't, like, help people. Um, just because, you know, when people are in need, they don't care about the environment. There's no real way to protect the environment long term if they're people, you know, struggling. And so um, so I basically looked for environmental projects that also helped helped people. And uh, that always wound up being solar projects. So after about five years of, of always happening to support solar projects, uh, we just explicitly made it part of the mission statement. That's, that's, actually, quite, that, that's quite a good point, actually. Because <clears throat> I think people speak about the environment and maybe often forget that they're speaking from this like 1% bubble of the totally. population. So no, it's I like, know, I'm going to drop my meat and it's like, but some people don't really have a choice what they buy because they're, exactly. they've got 10 bucks no, a I mean, week. You know, I've been on expeditions to a bunch of parts of the world where where people would cut down the last tree on earth if it means boiling water for their family. Yeah, and, and you can't fault them for that because you would do the same thing. You know, yeah. it's like, if that's what it takes to support your family, like, that's what you do. But, you know, you can't protect the environment long term if if a billion people on Earth, you know, are, are facing those kinds of struggles for survival. Yeah, it has like it seems like it has less urgency than the we've raised money for brain tumor research and yeah, see, things that have a personal that kind of, that kind of stuff. I'm like, people. oh, that's great, and I think you know it's important, but it doesn't really matter. You know what I mean? Like when I think of the big issues facing the world, like climate change and environmental degradation, are probably the most important things. I think. Yeah. Um, just because all other human issues crumble under the weight of a deteriorating environment. You know, it's like if we can't live in, in this ecosystem, you know, there's there's nothing else for us to do. Yeah. And so I feel totally. like that's kind of the base that underpins everything else we do. And I think it's like the, the big thing that I think the kind of the struggle is with getting people on board with it is a lot of charities anyway or advocates for charities. It's very much like you're either fully in, like you have to go vegan, you can't eat any meat, you can't drive your car, you're either fully in or you're fully out. Yeah. I think that mentality is a little bit too doom and gloom. And I think people, when they get kind of preached to in that way, are kind of like, yeah, I'm not screw you, I don't, I don't, like, you can't tell me what to do. Yeah. Whereas it's those little, like, daily changes. If you times that or compound that by a million Actually, people, yeah. kind of makes a difference in I itself. I mean, if we're, uh, if we're just chatting about that stuff, I mean, it's interesting. I've, I've sort of recently been coming. So, obviously, I think that the personal decisions matter. You yeah. know, like, I stop eating meat. I, you know try to minimize my travel how I can though obviously I'm still traveling way more than most just as a you know byproduct of the job and everything but you know basically you know I try to make intentional personal choices like that but I am starting to think that that the emphasis on personal choice is a bit of a distraction from 
basically it's a way for big corporations to shift the burden onto individuals instead of you know because really at the policy level at like the bigger corporate level those yeah, is what change those, happens wrong yeah I mean the thing is <clears throat> you know travel has a huge impact but that's because uh, you know because we don't have cleaner options and a lot of that is because of policy you know like in in the US the Trump administration just rolled back auto emission standards and you're sort of like you know which is completely absurd and, and ew, I could like rant about this all that. I'm just like, I know, I'm like oh my gosh it's so crazy it's so backward facing but you know it's like yeah driving our car around is bad because we don't have cleaner options you know and to to tell an individual like oh you're bad for driving you're like yeah that might be a little bit true but it's also because you don't have something better to drive and that's because of you know 15 years of corporate policy and you know lobbying on from the oil industry and wars in the middle east i mean there's all kinds of crazy stuff going on that makes it hard for an individual to make the right choices yeah and so you know i think it's a little bit you know, unfair to put the burden on individuals like, well, you should save the world because realistically, any one of us doesn't have that big of a personal impact. Yeah. You know what I mean? Totally. It, it's just, yeah. Anyway. I guess if you could change that mentality at the grassroots in terms of as an individual, then your behaviors and your almost how you view maybe a company you usually buy from, you may, maybe take more interest in what they are doing in terms of their environmental policies. Yeah, and, and you can still have an impact by choosing the right companies yeah. and, and living in the right way. I mean, you know, obviously individuals can still have an impact, especially en masse. You know, like when tons of individuals go vegetarian, it like starts to actually matter. But, you know, I just, I don't know. I'm starting to think that that's all sort of corporate overlord type stuff when like the emphasis on like you need to turn down your heater and you're like come on you know what i mean like if homes were built more energy efficiently like if building standards were in the you know had been what they are now in the 70s like the world would be in a much better place you know like yeah. there are a lot of efficiency things built into the system that that aren't your fault you know like if your home is energy efficient that's not your fault it's because the home builder wasn't incentivized to build a good home because yeah. they were just aiming for the cheapest thing possible. Yeah, exactly. Trying to make margins. Yeah. Um, yeah, we went down and did a day with Grid. Yeah. Uh, in the Central Valley. I love Grid Alternatives. Yeah, that's far really my good. favorite Amazing. organization. They, yeah, because um, yeah, you can see the difference that they're making. Like, yeah, and did you guys get to talk to the homeowners and stuff? Oh, we, we actually didn't, didn't see them. No, you didn't see them? I don't think they were there. Because often that's the, for me, the most powerful part is, is hearing the homeowner's experience and, yeah. and why, you know, what solar will mean for them. Because... You know, I mean, it's a basic home solar install. Like, it's, you know, pretty straightforward. And, like, I have it on my house in Vegas. And, uh, you know, my power bill is 12 bucks a month, which, which is right. pretty awesome. Wow. It's pretty, pretty ridiculous. Uh, yeah, my utilities are like nothing. But the thing is that for me, that doesn't really matter. You know, saving 100 bucks a month on, on my electric bill, like, doesn't change the quality of my life necessarily. Yeah. Even though I think it's the right thing to do. But when you meet a lot of these homeowners with good alternative installs, they're all living on a fixed income. They're all, you know, supporting their kids. Like, they're all sort of struggling in their own way. Yeah. And those kinds of numbers really matter. You yeah. know, like, especially if it's a retiree or something or like a widow or widower, you know. Yeah. Like, they're living off a pension. They're living, you know, saving 100 bucks a month or more. It's a big deal yeah, for them. It's massive. It's a good yeah. few meals or like yeah. a fair few meals. It was funny. We got there and they, for some reason, thought we were some famous YouTubers. Uh, so we got total priority. Like, are you? <laughs> no, no. Well, but you have a nice all. accent. You sound distinguished. Honestly, they, they were like, oh, hey. And like there was a few more volunteers there. And uh, there was this amazing little woman uh, who was actually a nuclear physicist. physicist. Yeah. Uh, and she was like, She's learning to fit it on her mum's house. For some reason, yeah, I don't know. Like back, I think she, I think she was from Korea, and she was like learning about it, and then was going to take it back and fix it on her mum's house. 
huh. whatever, basically. In, in Korea. Something like that, yeah. Classic. She's an absolute <laughs> legend. And she was like, oh, can I get a photo with you guys? Like, I don't know who you are, but my, my children will. And we're there like, oh my God, your children won't have a clue who we are. So like, just tell me your name again. It's like, uh, Alex Honnold. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I, I was the guy climbing up in a row. It's like, That's wow, you put on some weight. Yeah, yeah. Shorter than you look as well. But it was good, like, because, as you said, like, you can go and volunteer for that and when you maybe do stuff for the environment you don't see the impact immediately it's mm-hmm. kind of you do it and you know you're doing it but there's no real yeah, tangible yeah. yeah whereas if you're combining the two and actually helping someone mm-hmm. like it's, it's just a nice feeling maybe it's a selfish feeling where you're like oh I've helped someone which makes you feel good and yeah but it's like that's the best kind of selfish feeling yeah 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 because yeah, 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 right, yeah. objectively you are making the world a better place yeah like, you know you have done something positive that helps the family helps the environment I mean it is good all the way around yeah and if we can get on the roof and fit it <coughs> that means literally anyone could it was it was i know it's super easy that, that's simple like i'm not handy i'm not a skillful builder i don't know how to do anything and my few solar installs i'm like this actually is really quite easy yeah. <laughs> it's like you just <laughs> click all the pieces together like a lego set yeah, and literally. Just, you know bolt it all down i was like this is actually pretty straightforward I mean, in some ways, when you do those installs, it makes you think, you know, like, why is this not happening faster? Like, why is the world not transitioning to renewables faster? Because yeah. it's just so easy. It was interesting know? for them. They were kind of sharing all the numbers with us of the the dollars saved. And, mm-hmm. like, and actually, when it's rolled out, I think just California, they were sharing with us. And it's a huge, huge difference. Whereas mm-hmm. if you just do, like, one day in one person's house, it's like, is it in the big scheme of things, like, is this Well, actually, anything? so even just doing one person's house, though, when you think that that person won't pay any energy bills for 20 five years that's the thing you know yeah, that's yeah, a pretty yeah. big deal yeah. and the thing that I think about is that each home you put solar on you've basically liberated them from the utility forever in yeah. some ways because realistically in 25 years the whole energy system in the world will be different yeah. you know it's like it'll be running on renewables it'll be storage there'll be all kinds of different things going on electric cars like you know so basically each home you do you're like this home has now been removed from the system which you know it's, it's kind of cool I mean in some ways that's how I've always felt about going vegetarian is I'm like I have opted out of a system that I don't want to support. And I feel like each home that you, you put solar on, you're like, this home has now opted out of a system yeah, that, yeah. that it doesn't need to support. You know, it's no longer supporting coal extraction. It's no longer supporting oil abroad, you know, like fracking in the in the middle of the country. It's like, yeah. you know, basically that home has now opted out of all these terrible things that you would never personally support. Yeah. Interesting that it was, they were saying it's big in California and then it just kind of, unfortunately. Solar? Yeah, like... Uh, that's probably less true than they may have said. Oh, really? Yeah, there are a bunch of other states where solar's huge. Interesting. Um, and, and growing in different ways and... Right. Uh, I don't know. But they always said they were in doing projects in, like, Nicaragua, like, all over the place as well, not oh, just the yeah. US, which is pretty and cool. Gr- grid does, yeah. Yeah, yeah, grid, sorry, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're one of a few people or a few organizations that the HANA Foundation partner with, right? Yeah, so the HANA Foundation actually just signed a, a multi-year commitment to both Grid North Valley, which is where I'm from in California, uh, which is the install you guys were doing, and then also to the Grid Tribal Program, which does uh, the same sorts of projects, but on tribal lands around the US, um, which are typically more rural and, and uh, you know, more off-grid. <laughs> so yeah, like yeah. The, the projects actually are even more critical there. But um, anyways, yeah, so we just signed a three-year pledge to both those for, for uh, quite a bit of money each year. Nice. But, yeah, it's our first multi-year commitment to an organization, which is good for them because, uh, you know, it's as a nonprofit ourselves, it's nice to know that you have a steady source of funding. Yeah, yeah. You know, definitely. so it allows projects to to be a little deeper. Yeah. You know that they'll keep being funded. We saw your um, your birthday gifts from everyone on uh, uh, yeah, Instagram yeah. was donations. It was matched yeah. or something, wasn't it? Which yeah, was yeah, it was pretty epic. Awesome, yeah. cool. Um, 
Yeah, I reckon. I think <laughs> I know people will really want to know about how I guess how our mindsets compare. We're basically we're we're both taking off on a huge uh, huge adventure on uh, Monday think, next week. I think your adventure is a lot more huge than mine. Yes, because you're mustard climbing. <laughs> well, yeah, just because we know, you know, if, if we're not feeling it, we just go down or go up. Or, yeah, you know, yeah. Basically, there's a lot more freedom of movement for us where it's like, oh, we'll just try again in a couple of days. It's like it's much less of a... The first time is always way more exciting. Because we are, we are full waking up every morning. Uh, like, our hands have never... Been, palms have never been so sweaty. I thought that was a myth until now. Waking up every morning morning with essentially a sense of doom and we want to be in the valley for a month and enjoy it but we are scared all the time do you ever did you ever have that feeling when you first came to the valley or yeah 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 for sure you did. for how uh, long <laughs> when does it stop uh it stops as you get more competent right you know so once you climb el cap you won't feel quite as doom and gloom when you look at it but if you think that you're going to do a harder route then you'll probably feel that okay, same trepidation yeah, yeah. i mean yeah, I mean, you feel nervous anytime you're stepping outside of your comfort zone, and, and right now your comfort zone is pretty small because, you know, you you aren't comfortable on any of these walls, and, and realistically you shouldn't be because you don't know how to climb yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Totally. It's like, I mean, it makes total sense. Totally. Like, I mean, yeah, I mean, it should be slightly intimidating to look at these things if you don't know that you can climb them easily. Yeah. But for somebody like me who spent, you know, 12 years here, a couple months a year, climbed every, you know... I've climbed so many routes in Yosemite. Like, it's hard to overstate, like, all the obscurities. Like, I've always enjoyed doing the new routes. So I've climbed, like, almost everything in the guidebook. You know, so I can look around and feel pretty comfortable because I know how to get down from everything. I know how to get up things. You know, it's yeah. like, I mean, I just are, I live here. Are there still times where, obviously, when you obviously climb without a rope, everything is amplified to the highest degree? Are there still points where you're, you suddenly have that maybe feeling of dread or fear? Have you got, like, a process of... Just, just wiping that from your mind or dealing with it? Yeah, like on Half Dome, you know, it's well documented well, when you're stood there like... Yeah, Whoa. yeah. I mean, I don't think there is a process for just wiping that. I mean, all you can ever really do is take some deep breaths, compose yourself, and just pull it together. And, and I mean, I've been dealing... So I've, I've been working on a new route on El Cap as well, and so we have uh, ropes from the top all the way to the bottom, so we have thousands of feet of static line hanging down the mountain that you can rappel up and down and work on the sections. But uh, the climbing is quite steep, so it means that... You know, you're basically dangling in free space, thousands of feet off the ground, like slowly spinning, you know, watching the watching the valley go around behind you, and you're just like, oh, it's pretty scary. Anyway, so, I mean, yesterday I was repelling all these lines to stash our camping gear for our attempt on El Cap, and, you know, it's a ton of weight hanging off me, and so as you repel, you know, I was scared. I was like, oh, I'm worried that the rope's going to cut. There's just so much more weight on the ropes, and the ropes are, like, swinging around, and there's so much less freedom of movement because I had so much weight on me. I can't just, like, pull myself in, clip into a piece of gear. Everything yeah, becomes much job, harder. Yeah. yeah. It's like I can't just, like, manage. You know, or if a rope was to cut, you know, I would for sure fall to my death because I have so much on me that I couldn't, like, hold on to anything. I'm glad you, know? you get that feeling because that's what's going through our head every single time. Yeah, exactly. No, Especially no, I think... when, when we're hauling the bag up and you're doing everything in your power to essentially pull the bolts off the wall. You're stamping <laughs> oh, on no, over Bolts I don't worry up. about. Really? Oh, right. Like, we're checking them every 10 seconds. But, but yeah. I've been climbing 20 years and I've been pulling on bolts my entire life and, you know, I've basically never broken one, never had a half broken one, but it was a really old, rusty quarter-incher that was expected. So you know, you're but, worried about the rope? 
Yeah, I'm worried about the rope. Right. But um, don't know. <laughs> well, no, 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 I would not. Know. <laughs> but it, you know, it totally depends on the circumstances. But part of it, is, though, I mean, and realistically, you shouldn't worry on the nose as much because people are doing exactly what you do every single day, yeah. and it's always fine. But what we're doing is a first ascent. Nobody's ever actually really done it. So when we're swinging around, you're sort of like, well, no one's ever done the swing before necessarily, and certainly not with as much weight. You're like, who knows? Like maybe but there is some sharp. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The thing about the nose is that anything you guys do you're guaranteed that some random other group of people has done that in the past the thing that scares me is the the one in a billion chance that so take the I don't know one one of like the Texas Flake for example where you're climbing up this chimney this huge flake off which is hanging Mm -hmm. looks like it's just hanging in midair and you're pushing away from the wall surely one day in the future no, that's just going to come off not from a person because the the scale of the rock is so vast that no matter how hard you push it's just trivial compared to the size of that block you know I mean for sure the block will fall off someday yeah um, you know that's that's geology I mean you can see the huge rocks are on the right side yeah, that, yeah. Um, came off you know and, and a huge piece like that fell off a half dome a couple years ago but um, but it has nothing to do with humans because like it's we're just, just insignificant yeah I mean you know, think of how big that block is, and then think of how, how like an ant climbing up this van or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is. It's exactly like that. Yeah, like an ant isn't going to tip the van over. Yeah. You know, it's like we're ants up there. It's like we're yeah, nothing compared to the scale of the wall. But, <laughs> um. So the the route you're doing at the moment is obviously going to be a a new route of Hellcap. Yeah, it'd be what, a new what, free ascent. New free ascent. What's the what's like the process of that? Are you you're kind of wrapping down from the top and just basically trying to find ways up the rock that haven't been done before. So maybe little crimps and holds and where to put your yeah. feet and just that. Yeah, well, so that, that's kind of the essence of free climbing. And just to be clear, that's not free soloing. So still using a rope and everything, but using your hands and feet to climb instead of like hammering pitons and putting in bolts and all that. And so the line that we're climbing pieces together a bunch of existing aid lines, lines that people have used bolts and pitons and things like that. But we've sort of woven this line in between them and managed to connect it with just just natural holds the whole way. Um, well, we'll see if we can actually do it, <laughs> but, uh, but it's close, you know, but, uh, yeah. So part of that process is like rappelling and swinging around and looking for holds. Um, I'm climbing with Tommy Caldwell, who spent seven years working on the Dawn wall, which is just next to it. So parts of the wall he had already scouted and looked at. And so he'd always kind of had a vision for the potential of, of this line, but, um, but now he's actually put in the effort to find it and make sure it all goes. And then even once you find it, then you have to add some protection bolts to make sure that you actually can clip your rope into something. So, um, you know, and then, so I think that we've added enough bolts and figured out all the climbing. But then yesterday, I mean, as I was repelling and, and sussing out some sections, you know, there were a few that I was like, oh, I'll just make sure I can do this section. And then I was, and then I'd spend half an hour and be like, wait, I'm a little worried I can't do this section. <laughs> You're like, oh no. Yeah. Yeah. I had two experiences like that yesterday where I was like, oh, this is going to be easy, but I should just make sure that it's easy. And then I'd spend half an hour and be like, this is not easy. <laughs> WTF. Not easy. Like this is, yeah, like this is not easy at all. I was like, oh no. And what, what's but, the, what's the motivation for because we spoke to you a couple of times and it seems like a huge amount of work whether you're camping on top of the wall and wrapping in carrying thousands of pounds of of rope or whatever it is um what's the motivation for doing that and linking existing aid lines or or starting like doing well i mean you're doing a first ascent on el cap and that's enough and tommy thinks that it might be one of the best routes on el cap it's, it's it's incredible climbing the corners are are I mean, the features are crazy, but also at a certain point, you know, you're always just seeking out new challenges in Yosemite. And so, yeah, I guess you, you know, said you pretty climbed, much climbed the guidebook. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, what's next? Yeah, exactly. 
Um, and also, I mean, Tommy wants to do it, and Tommy's been a hero my whole life, and I'm like, yeah, I'll go climb with Tommy. <laughs> like, that's awesome. You know. So maybe in a few but. years' time, we will take on that wall. <laughs> yeah. It'd be, a, it'd be a big step. It'd be a big step. But I think you could. That is amazing. Could. And we just Actually, found um, out we might be spending Monday night together. That yeah, sounded possibly. weird. <laughs> well, you know. um, Monday night on the same ledge. Yeah, if, if you guys make it, if we make it, that's if it all yeah, If, if it you all guys make out. it, that's yeah. probably the more prominent well, one. Well, thing, the thing for you guys is because Dolt Tower is right below that, and yeah. so it's really easy to be going kind of slowly, get to Dolt, and, and be like, you know, it. we'll just camp here. Right. You know I mean? It's really common for parties on the nose to be like, we're planning to get to El Cap Tower, but then when you get to Dolt, you're so worked, yeah. you're like, well, you know. Yeah, exactly. Because it takes a little more gumption to like keep hauling your bags up to... Yeah, that's a good point. And how many days is it going to take you guys Reckon. Uh, well, we only have three because Tommy oh, yeah, has to be down for yeah, yeah, yeah. family Halloween. <laughs> but, Smart. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's yeah. got to like do the pumpkin thing with his kids. Yeah, and, absolutely. But, <laughs> Get down. I've got to be down yeah. for Halloween, actually. Yeah, you're going to Universal. Going to Universal Studios. <laughs> wow. Wait, are you actually? Yeah, genuinely. <laughs> wow. Wait, so like, you guys like only have three days too. On it. Yeah. yeah, we're going three days. Then oh, wow. we've got to fly back to the UK. You better, better get it done. That we are, we are big fans of putting deadlines on things. I mean, yeah. if push comes to shove, I will not go to Universal Studios. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah. yeah, I mean, like trying to do the no, I totally agree. A year that's, or whatever it is. That's also why. Uh, you know yeah we did the same thing because that's where we're like oh we'll just give it a go right now because tommy has a thing you know has halloween and then he has to take care of the kids for a week and so like yeah we kind of have deadlines also and so it it does help to just squeeze something in yeah totally you know when you have a totally open-ended calendar you keep putting it off especially something that's scary that you don't really necessarily want to do you're sort of like oh we'll just keep practicing we'll just keep you know i've been trying to roll my ankle for the last three weeks (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly god damn it exactly that's when you know that you're scared of something (laughs) when you're like oh maybe i'll like uh you know tear my shoulder or something i won't be (laughs) able to climb yeah you're like no i still won't tear (laughs) what um what sport scares you like what, what like uh, like people look at obviously they watch free solo and be like I couldn't think of anything worse like they have a fear of heights what would be like like a, big wave surfing or like okay, extreme downhill mountain biking don't fancy it like I'm a I'm an okay mountain biker like you know solid intermediate mountain biker but the idea of like bombing downhills I'm like not into that or like extreme skiing freaks me out really? you know again I'm like a solid intermediate skier like I'm, I'm a good survival skier yeah I guess that's no, kind of like but you're, you're mitigating your fear is completely mitigated by your like expertise or experience in something because we never climbed or most people that watch free solo it's so yeah. like there in front of them and everyone can relate to that fear of falling and heights mm. um, that fear of death yeah, yeah. totally like yeah. which is which people, really people ask us about it even though we're taking every rope we can carry like, <laughs> do not think about that yeah, and it's the three, question we get yeah. that, well that's the British way honestly yeah. Brits always have like yeah, three ropes safe, yeah, yeah. safe yeah, and sound yeah, we safe. like queuing um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. we'll, we'll happy to queue up, up yeah. the nose and yeah. what would just because it came to mind things you don't know how do you reckon I think you'd be you'd absolutely crush it but rowing the Atlantic do you reckon you could uh you could smash that I mean yeah yeah I mean totally. if I had to because it is just a matter of just grinding it out totally, and getting yeah. doing the work it's and essentially like, yeah, van life yeah exactly with no wheels yeah, yeah. it's basically two, generally what two it is. oars yeah two yeah. oars and then just a slightly more yeah. cramped no no I mean yeah I could manage I mean and what you were saying the two hours on two hours off and definitely I'm like yeah I mean if that's how you have to do it I could do that you know so when the time comes and you need advice from us yeah. we're here for you <laughs> I don't know I, I, I could see doing a cool adventure like that I kind of like being a beginner in this I mean that's what I think is cool about what you guys are doing is that it's fun to be a beginner in something new because the learning curve is so steep yeah because like for me in climbing right now the learning curve is really painfully uh 
flat. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like you have to work a tremendous amount to see even tiny gains. Yeah, and incremental. Whereas yeah, when you're a beginner point. in something, you know, a tiny bit of effort, you see these steep gains and, you know, it's so fun. You feel like you're improving. And that's that's what we enjoy, isn't it? That's why we do something yeah, learning and every improving. time. And yeah. even, even, if, even if we failed in on Monday or whatever it was or the outcome isn't obviously we've not made it to the top of El Capitan but we're still well, even now compared to when we arrived a few, three weeks ago we can do multi-pitch climbs that we'd never done mm-hmm. before we, we still yeah, feel relatively competent, yeah, competent in something That's, that we would never do if we hadn't just taken a steep learning the funny thing is we've been chatting about like, will we climb after this because obviously probably come January 2020 we'll figure out a new challenge and then we'll begin the process mm-hmm. again in something completely different but you can always climb the cross train on the side you know yeah but, that, but the cool thing is we figured out that when when you're doing something for work and I say work in inverted mm. commas yeah. it, it almost becomes just just almost a chore and there's like stats around musicians who are passionate about music totally. then they become session musicians totally. and they end up dreading their job because it's at the end of the day you're doing it not mm-hmm. just for the passion mm-hmm. but for another reason I think that's kind of what we find quite a lot is like when we were training with the climbing because we are having to climb harder than we were like you would just normally having fun mm-hmm. and scaring ourselves and being out here scaring ourselves yeah, well, almost becomes like it's been, it's been like a burden to us to be honest because like, you're it's always big, outside of your comfort yeah, zone exactly. it's like sometimes you want to stay inside your comfort yeah, zone totally. and enjoy the activity <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. but that's what I think you know? will be afterwards when we'll be like yeah let's go yeah. climb a nice juggy sport line yeah, yeah. exactly, exactly. <laughs> like go to Spain and vacation yeah, yeah exactly and I yeah. think it will be a completely yeah, different dynamic yeah. and we'll actually enjoy it rather yeah. than walking up to a pitch and feeling physically sick yeah well, that's because I mean I think with broadening your comfort zone, if you're if you're taking a more uh, long-term approach to it, I mean you can only really push outside of your comfort, say you know once a week or something, and then the rest of the time you're sort of building your base, consolidating, yeah. just like staying relatively comfortable. But I mean you guys are outside of your comfort zone every day, and so it starts to wear you know it feels like being a war or something. Yeah, you know, you're constantly on edge. It wears you down. It's, you yeah, know, yeah. I mean that's hard. But. Yeah. Do you think the next generation of climbers like we've, we've seen some of these like the young Japanese girl I can't remember her name who is just like an absolute just a beast on the wall mm. do you think from what you've just done with Free Solo which is this big kind of paramount moment in climbing do you think there'll almost be an effect like in all kind of great sporting achievements like Roger Bannister's four minute mile mm. where they thought it couldn't be done and then three people did it within 30 days of him doing it yeah there's like there's consistent results where someone does something big which is impossible or, or recently uh, sub two yeah yeah, two yeah, yeah exactly yeah. Yeah. it's like, awesome and that, that will be done again soon guaranteed just because I don't been, know I don't know if that's guaranteed because he's in such particular conditions I think it'll be done soon yeah or, or it, maybe it'll not happen. Race. it'll happen yeah well yeah even in a race it'll happen eventually yeah yeah yeah, yeah. but um but he just has such a perfect you know sort of yeah it, it, it was with seven pacers or whatever exactly like the flying V yeah yeah I mean and uh Apparently the shoes he's wearing, um, actually the new head of sports marketing at North Face is from Nike, and he was talking a bunch I about the that, shoes yeah, yeah. And, and the effect that it has on VO2 max. And oh really? Um, supposedly the shoes that he's wearing are, are twice as good as any other shoe out there. I saw him so, holding them, and the the size of like the the heel cushion is like twice a normal oh, shoe. I didn't, I they're, know. they're like massive. I haven't seen them. Um, That's but, like Hoka ones, if you know those. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, 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 shoes yeah, that are yeah, like yeah. totally absurd. <laughs> they look like moon boots, but apparently they work. Yeah. But do you uh, think now everyone, kind of the next generation climbers, have seen you climb free rider with no rope? Do you think in the next twenty years, what do you think will be the next big thing? 
Dude, I don't, I don't know. Is, some, I, is someone following that anytime soon? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. But free soloing is a little different than other sports like that because the thing about running is that everyone is running in the same way. So if one person does it, you know that you can do it too. But with free soloing, there's you know there's the potential for death involved. I mean, and and even with climbing, great. I don't I don't know. Climbing is a little bit different than than you know the more elemental sports like running or swimming or something, yeah. where it's not just a psychological barrier to breaking four four minute mile. Let's say, I don't know. But whereas with you, it's, with, with it's the psychological, of, right? Well, you, you, I guess you. I don't know if you, don't mind me saying, but I, I've heard you say a few times that you're not physically the yeah I'm not any better than, than any of my friends basically yeah but but you've got something that potentially they don't have no or will to live <laughs> or a very strong will to live I don't know <laughs> yeah exactly actually the it's funny news. so uh, yeah actually <laughs> random anecdote sort of ties in so yesterday uh, I was saying that the climb that we're working on is really steep and quite scary and so uh, one of the pitches goes out this roof and so the static line was hanging down in a big loop and so normally as you repel you'd clip it into a bunch of pieces to keep it closer to the wall but uh, but as Tommy climbed out he didn't clip the rope into any of the pieces so when I came up to climb the pitch it was just this one big arcing loop of rope which meant that if I fell off I was going to take this crazy swing out into space and so I still wanted to climb the pitch because I needed to practice it's really hard moves it's probably uh, like 8B for your standards it's like wow. pretty hard crimping yeah. But uh, but I basically had the fear of God in me because I was like, oh my God, if I fall off, I'm going to freaking fly off this mountain. I was like, oh my God, this is so scary. But so it kind of reminded me of, of when you're leading and you're sort of afraid to fall or if you're soloing and you definitely can't fall. But I freaking, I cranked the pitch, which is the first time I'd successfully climbed the whole pitch and I fought to the death on it. being like, Ugh! Maybe and because like, of that. Well, exactly. And I was like, sometimes it's worth having the fear of God and you're yeah, right. yeah, be yeah, like, oh, to like keep you honest. I guess if you've got that. You know, Safety blanket, so yeah, to speak. Yeah, if, if you know you can just slump on the rope at any time, then it's easy to not quite give your best because yeah. you're like, oh, it hurts my fingers. I'll just sit down for yeah, a second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you think you're about to fly out <laughs> in space, you're like, I don't care about my there's fingers. No, like, there's no way I'm letting go. Yeah. Jeez. But that's part of the pleasure of high performance sometimes is that you do more than you think you could, you know? It's like, I mean, I think one of the real pleasures in climbing is when you don't think you can do something, but you try anyway, and then you do. And you're just like, oh, wow, I, you know, I outperform my expectations. Like, yeah. I mean, that's such a pleasure. Yeah. Had that on a ranger crack last week. Oh, yeah? <laughs> so, yeah oh, my God, I got to the top. <laughs> that's funny. I just climbed that the other day, too. Really? That's did you see did our you see red, red cam number in one in there? Uh, I, uh, I'm not sure. Maybe. Yeah, we, we okay, left I, a, a brand new BD. Should have placed a 7.5. Yeah, you know. A we're like, longer. we can't get it out. It's like, oh, well. We were offering we other people there a six-pack of beer if they could get it out. Oh. So everyone was trying, but... No, it's like Excalibur. It's the, yeah, the pretty, yeah pretty much, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> all right, nice. I think it'd be cool just to wrap up with a couple of pretty simple questions just to mm. get a bit of an insight away from maybe the wall and the free solo stuff. What is your morning routine I know it may vary because you're in different places but what is your okay what's your morning routine in the van when you're in the valley Mm -hmm. what's your morning routine when you're at home in Vegas I don't I mean I don't have that much of a routine it totally depends on my the day to come so if it's a climbing day I just wake up when I have to to go climb and then I eat my breakfast and I go climb so you're not like a up at six then I'm gonna do no, no, I don't 10 do minutes of this routine. 10 minutes of this 10 minutes of this it's no, kind of just flexible not into it um, mostly because the times that I get up vary all the time because it totally depends on climbing you know if, if you're working on a project that goes into the sun early then you might be up at four to go go climb but yeah. then on rest days I might be up at nine and then uh, I don't drink coffee or anything so I don't have any like built in morning routine where I have to caffeinate and then, you know, depending how hungry I am, I just eat, you know, breakfast whenever. It's it's all pretty pretty lax, really. Fair. Like it. But, yeah. um, 
and you mentioned we, we always talk about like books that have made a difference that we've read and stuff and you mm. spoke about Tommy earlier and we were chatting that's probably the best climbing book mm. we've read obviously because it's probably one yeah, of the only the ones as well because it's yeah, the, yeah it's a recent book, yeah. and um, yeah what have you have you read any books recently that you are big fan of it doesn't have to be climbing any books yeah actually I don't really read that much climbing but um, I pretty much just read non-fiction and mostly environmental type stuff which is a lot really? of what informs the, the work at the foundation have you read uh, This about. Changes Everything uh, yeah that was quite good uh, yeah, the Nomad Climb book. Yeah. yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah, kind of heavy and kind of dark. Yeah, yeah, and a, a, a bit of a mission. Yeah, yeah. There's exactly. one called Feral as well. I don't know if you read that one. Uh, is that the George? G- yeah, I, yeah. I started that book and I was sort of like, ah, I never finished it actually. It's sitting it on the, my floor yeah, now. Yeah, I thought that was quite good. It gets better. That's like rewilding and stuff. Yeah, and, that's it. Yeah. yeah. What of any environmental ones that you would recommend? Uh, no, I mean those are good. Um, I don't know. I mean, I have. Uh, Actually, on the foundation website, I have a reading list of everything I've read over the last 10 years okay, cool. uh, that I could remember or kept track of. I, in the back of my training journals, I often have like lists of books that I've been reading and stuff like that. So, um, so I sort of compiled all that, and there's like this epic reading list on the foundation site. Nice. But um, it breaks into categories. Like I went through this whole kick on oil and like the, the history of oil and how, how it works, and then you know a couple books about batteries, books about EV type stuff, electric vehicles, um, you know, renewable energy, climate change stuff. I mean, just all kinds of... I don't know. So is that is that books, what you, know? you you're obviously really passionate about? That is that what you see yourself doing? Not after climbing, because you can climb all the, yeah until you're old, yeah. Yeah, when, whatever. Yeah. But yeah, always alongside always, it. Yeah, that's always kind of been. I mean, in some ways, climbing is what I do for me, and and work foundation is what I do for you know that matters like climbing is for That's myself and the foundation yeah. Is, yeah. is for the world well, whereas yeah. it's the, the climbing that pays you I imagine and it's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's quite interesting based on what we were saying earlier that the learning curve is what excites us and your learning curve has not slowed but the it's like really well in climbing it's slowed for sure slowed yeah yeah actually so I mean I spent the last the whole year of movie touring I've, I've spent like training on this whole little training program and uh and managed to climb a harder grade for the first time last oh, month. Really? Which is the first time I've climbed a harder grade in 10 years or something, I think. Really? And so, you know, I'm sort of like, man, if I'm down to one grade every 10 years now, that's pretty <laughs> slow learning curve. I'm like, geez. The climbers seem yeah. maybe not, not driven in a similar way to other people. It's almost like an obsession that something, whether it's, it's like a grade an all consuming lifestyle. Yeah. yeah. We've noticed that obviously spending time around climbers for the last kind of three weeks, it is literally. All they talk about is, oh yeah, that. No, well, no it, there's it a depends, finger crimp up there, and then so, that take good gear. I, I, have, like, a, oh, I, have, I have a, a personal theory that that's more true for intermediate to right, advanced okay. type climbers and then I think when you get into elite climbing it starts to simmer back down a bit because like Fine. when Tommy and I hang out on top of El Cap we talk about pretty much everything except for climbing yeah. uh, right. for hours you know we talk about the environment he's a he's a Patagonia ambassador he's explicitly like the environmental champion for their climbing team and so we've been talking a lot about the environment and talking right. about you know what we can do and just all kinds of interesting conversations about life and you know his relationship with his wife and family and mine with my girlfriend and how we balance that blah 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 you know we talk about everything other than and then, and then then with climbing you know obviously we do have to convey information to each other because you know how did you do this section should i be doing it that way what's the best way to do it but when we talk about climbing it's a little more structured where it's like okay let's debrief you know and then it's basically like a work meeting where you just like plow yeah. through the things you need to do and then you talk about the stuff you actually care about that's interesting actually you know? so obviously when you do something like this this route you're setting now you have a climbing partner mm-hmm. so it's usually two of you same with same with like the speed ascents there's mm-hmm. two of you and you both have your role mm-hmm. we get asked 
all the time every time we give a keynote somewhere they always ask like how often do you fall out mm. and we we've we've never fallen out we've never had a go at each other even 54 days on the ocean because we're bound by this naivety there's there's no two in adventure you usually get someone who is maybe an expert in this or ex-military and trained in this and you have two differing egos and opinions so if something breaks it's mm. this way or that way whereas something breaks we're like what neither of you what the hell is that yeah, yeah. What, 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 what is that thing yeah you're on a journey together yeah so yeah. like we're kind of bound by this naivety mm-hmm. when you're climbing and this is something we found like you're never more kind of in the hands of your partner in terms of the knot they tie or whatever it is a simple mm-hmm. mistake on their end could lead to catastrophic kind of circumstances on their partner's end what is like the ideal climbing partner and have you had any obviously not naming names where you're like I can't climb with you no, I mean, you know, yeah, there are a few people where I'm like, oh, that guy's kind of sketchy. Like, I wouldn't necessarily want to climb with him all the time. Right. But I think for me, a good partner, uh, well, I don't know. So what I love about climbing with Tommy is that we basically do things the, exactly the same way. You know, like, if I can't see him and he's out of view and we're both climbing, I just know that he's doing what I would be doing. And right. if I get to wherever he is, I'll see that, you know, like, if he has to build an anchor, like, it'll be as good as anything I would want to make. You know, or if, if he's you know faces some weird situation and has to like improvise something like pretty good chance that we would do it exact same way and and that's you know i find that very reassuring because you just always know that you can trust that he would do at least what what you're doing or if he does it differently it's probably for a good reason that i didn't think of you know Uh, and he is a better wall climber and more experienced and spent more time up there i mean he spent seven years working on the dawn wall so he's pretty dialed on his wall climbing he's uh it's yeah it's funny because i I pride myself on being a pretty solid wall climber and then i hang out with tommy and i'm like man i'm a complete beginner he's just so he's like he's really really good because we see the the roots that like even very rarely get repeated like is it magic mushroom yeah exactly and he's oh, it was years ago yeah he did in a day did he that's crazy yeah yeah, yeah um, he put it up with a partner uh, they spent like two months working on it and did it and then his partner basically had to go home and rest for two months and uh, and then the week later Tommy did it in a day and you're just oh, like man. dude it's like total next level Jeez, we, we were out in June we actually um, were with uh, Jacopo mm-hmm. and I think he he climbed it or something yeah yeah he did and, he and his uh, girlfriend climbed it while yeah. so that was our really first climbing. I guess look at what like a very good climber looks like yeah <laughs> it's just like well it's whoa. funny though because it like watching Jacopo climb doesn't it just look trivial like it looks yeah. you know like he's having a good time it's casual it's, it's all I mean that's kind of the thing watching Tommy on a wall like in some ways you wouldn't even realize how good he is because you wouldn't realize how hard, how hard any of it is, is yeah. because you're like oh he's just hanging out he's having a good time he's taking phone calls he's eating snacks he's doing his thing but then if you were to try to do what he's doing you're like this is so hard it's the same it's as like, us on the yeah. first few pictures of free blast that mm. doesn't even really get into free solo should yeah. do it's just so- an absolute epic yeah. <laughs> that first 10c is a real biter <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah but that's it, like it, the casual warm up yeah, yeah that is what was so like, embarrassing yeah. with there like <laughs> that's awesome but actually when it reminded me when you said that we're like bound by naivety and every adventure that naivety has been like a blessing no mm. idea what was going to happen at two mm. months at sea even though we capsized and hurricane and all that stuff not knowing that <laughs> hurricane sorry <laughs> but not knowing that was the best possible thing yeah, yeah and yeah. actually with climbing you can't have that naivety because you know you could die if it all goes you, bad yeah, yeah, you, yeah, need, you, you need, need to, to know what you're doing and yeah. the, the more you know the more you realise you don't know in our case and then the and then the more I guess 
like ways there are to fail or what things there are that can go wrong or at least that's yeah the, the more you know seem. eventually it all starts to get yeah. easy again you know you guys experience. are just in the steep part of the learning curve where it all feels insurmountable but pretty soon you hit the hump and you're like you know what like we got it yeah like, yeah, yeah, yeah yeah i mean honestly by the time you get to the top l cap you'll probably feel pretty comfortable yeah in a way that you don't right now yeah, yeah, yeah. I, and I and I always find that the first night camping on the wall will be like so restful, so relaxed because you'll be so physically tired, but you'll be safe, you'll be comfortable. You'll just be laying in your bed, I mean, like this is so awesome. Especially right now, there's that's no what I'm looking forward to is the the nights on the ledges, dude. It's awesome. But everyone, everyone who speaks to, they're like, so you're sleeping up there. It's like, yeah, they're like. Oh my god, I couldn't do no, that. No, it's so awesome. And it's like, but what most about people, the what about the eight hours before getting yeah, to totally. that ledge? That's what I'm. Well, and most about. people don't appreciate the fact that ledges actually are quite comfortable because yeah. they think you're sleeping on the sheer side of a face. But ledges are some of them are as big as this van. I mean, yeah. Alcap Tower is the size of the van, so it's like pretty comfortable. I mean, we're uh, you know not even taking a portal ledge for Alcap Tower. You just lay on the. It's like camping out. Yeah. You know, it's like sleeping on a picnic table or something. You're just like, oh, what a lovely night. Yeah, I think those but, that the last night at Camp Six or wherever we end up will be. Yeah, be amazing. Because it'd be like, right, one more, one more push to the top, yeah. and you're in a place that not many people get to say they've been yeah. and, and spent a night. And I think that's kind of that will make all this dread but, and fear yeah. and anxiety. My hands are sweating. <laughs> it's, same, yeah. it's getting it's weird. It's warm in here. Yeah, that's why. Yeah. <laughs> no, but uh, I mean, also there's no moon right now, and so uh, at night you can see the Milky Way. I mean, Tommy and I were just camping on top, and we saw shooting stars all night, and it's all beautiful, and you're just laying there enjoying, you know, eating your food and yeah. laying in your sleeping bag. It's like a pretty lovely way to live, you know? It's, yeah, I'm, I'm looking uh, forward to that. It's just the getting up there that's going to be the yeah. <laughs> But hey, if it's that amazing view, then... It yeah, exactly. It's all worth it. It's all worth it. It makes it better when you're, you're knackered when you get there as well. Yeah, exactly. Nice. All right, awesome. Well, I think we'll call it there. But yeah, thanks very much for coming in and having cool. a chat. Well, yeah. Thank you guys for chatting and, and thanks for supporting the foundation. No, absolutely. And we'll be putting out the kind of donate links and stuff on our Instagram, Facebook pages when we're doing the climb. And uh, hopefully we'll see you on uh, El Cap Tower Monday yeah, yeah. night. I hope so. If not, we'll yell down to you on Dolt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like you didn't out. make it. I, I told you. <laughs> Come yeah. get us. Well, actually, oh, I didn't even tell you because then we climb five pitches of the nose. So because oh. we get to El Cap Tower and then we actually oh. down climb to Dolt. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, we just haul us up. We'll hitchhike on your lines. So from El Cap Tower, I mean, you don't really care, but from El Cap Tower, there's no way to like free climb off of El Cap Tower. It's just like a blank wall. Um, but so we have to down climb the nose, go over to the Jardine Traverse, go up around, like basically do this whole circle that goes around the Kingsway. Right. Like you guys will be going up yeah. and then Texas Flake in the Kingsway. Yeah. We do this whole big circle around it. And then from the end of the Kingswing, then we quest back around the corner and then traverse back onto the other side of the wall and finish the route that we're doing. Oh, but shit. so we do this whole, I'm calling it the little nose reach around. It's like a little five pitch circle on the nose to like get around this section that doesn't go. Wow. But it's funny because it, that sounds like, oh, five pitches on the nose. Like, it sounds like a lot. But compared to all the other stuff we're climbing, we're like, oh, it's like 45 minutes of climbing on the nose. Yeah, it's like a nice. Your it's bread like and a, butter, isn't it? Yeah, totally. It's like a pleasurable interlude, you know, where you're like, oh, now we get established normal climbing. Yeah. It's easy. And then we'll get back to the crazy so stuff. So literally, the we're going to be climbing up at a snail's place and you're going to climb like all the yeah, way around the above. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, that is, that is. Just I mean, get to the top yeah. of the boot, drop, drop a line for us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we will. We will. We'll see you up there. Well, honestay yeah, we could. Okay. Let's talk about this after we've um, yeah man thanks so much for chatting to us I know like coming out into the valley now is uh, you get mobbed so cheers oh, no, for uh, making the time and um, yeah good luck with the new route and we'll we'll see you on LCAP yeah we'll see you over there good yeah. man thanks. cheers mate cheers <laughs>